Laura Holly up this week to share with us. On. Hello. Hello. My name is Laura. My pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, and today I wanted to share a little bit about how God has made me my own unique work of art and how I express my faith and communicate with God in my own way. Wait, wait, wait. Are you just not going to introduce me? I was getting there. This is my mini puff. I call her that because she's a mini version of me and we're both Hufflepuffs. She's my emotional support companion. So sometimes when I get overwhelmed in crowds or in front of a crowd like this, she comes with me so that I have a friend. Are we reading a book today? Yes, we are. One of my favorite things to do is to read books and also collect them. Um, I've discovered a lot of similarities, actually, between how I read and enjoy books and how I live and express my faith. Uh, when I was younger, I thought that there was like one type of faith, just like there was one book that mattered, the Bible. But as I grew and read more books, I discovered that not everyone experiences life in the same way or has the same experience of God. People even talk to God in different ways. For me, I worship with sign language, and I tell stories, and I make art, and I love to dance. <laughs> is laughing a spiritual practice? Because I like to laugh, too. It is. And there's this feeling in my belly when I'm creating connection uh, with God or with myself, and that feeling comes from a lot of different things. Sometimes I'm not always sure that I'm praying the right way, but I'm starting to think that God doesn't really care about how we talk to her. A couple of weeks ago, I had a funny God moment. I told a few people about this. Um, I woke up before church, and I was taking a few moments to pray and spend time with God, um, and I just said, God, I am craving chocolate cake. What kind of chocolate cake? Like a moist, soft chocolate cake. Are you allowed to pray for that? I have no idea. It felt ridiculous, but I just decided to pray for it anyway. And then I came to church, and guess what Lola had made? Not, not just any chocolate cake, but an unusually moist chocolate brownie cake that she said had actually come together by accident because she said she didn't have all the ingredients for brownies. And so it came out super moist. And so I can now confirm that God fulfills even the smallest of prayers. Now, we might not always be granted cake when we pray for it, but I needed to know that I was on the right track that day. And so God gave me a little nudge to remind me that she's there. Did you say a little fudge? No, a little nudge. So speaking of all the different ways that we speak to God and she speaks to us, I brought one of my favorite books, Just Read. It shows us some of the really cool ways that we can read that maybe we hadn't really thought of before. So should we read it? Yes, please. Okay, you wait here. I need my hand. This is Just Read. Hooray, I know how to read on my own, but sometimes I don't want to do it alone. 
So I read with an astronaut, a pirate, or a farmer. I read with a clown or a knight wearing armor. I read with a penguin, a moose, or a bear. I read with a tortoise or read with a hare. Sometimes it's hard to know what things to choose, so I just start reading. I have nothing to lose. I read secret messages written in code. I read funny signs on the side of the road. I read things that scare me or cause me to grin. I read about places I've never been. Sometimes I can't seem to find enough time, so I steal a few minutes. It isn't a crime. I read while I'm waiting to hear my name called. I read while we're driving and traffic has stalled. I read after raking the leaves into piles. I read while I stroll down the vegetable aisles. Sometimes it's boring to read just one way. It gets so monotonous day after day. I read while I'm spinning or sliding or swinging. I read when I'm drumming or strumming or singing. I read with my fingers across bumpy lines. I read with my voice or my hand using signs. Sometimes it seems like there's no place to go, so I start exploring and go with the flow. I read in a bus, on a train or a plane. I read in a cave or outside in the rain. I read in a tree or below in its shade. I read while I march in my hometown parade. Sometimes I don't know the who, where, or when, but that doesn't stop me. I just read again. So I have a little one more thing I'm going to share. This is private. There she is. So I love that story because it's not just applicable to reading. It can apply to praying or to worshiping or to spiritual practices and all the different ways that we do those things. So let's imagine the story again, but maybe this time about all the different ways that we can pray. Will you do this with me? Of course. Hooray, I know how to pray on my own, but sometimes I don't want to do it alone. So I pray with family or pets or here on the weekend. I pray with a stranger who just needed a friend. I pray long, beautiful stories or a few words here and there. I pray like a tortoise or pray like a hare. Sometimes it's hard to know what things to choose. So I just start praying. I have nothing to lose. I pray secret messages I see in the clouds. I pray funny moments while laughing too loud. I pray about things that scare me and the times I can't win. I pray for places where I've never been. Sometimes I can't seem to find enough time. I steal a few moments. It isn't a crime. I pray while I'm waiting to hear my name called. I pray in an Uber while traffic is stalled. Sometimes it's boring to pray just one way. 
It gets so monotonous day after day. So I pray while I'm dancing or painting or swinging. I pray while I'm drumming or strumming or singing. I pray with my fingers across bumpy lines. I pray with my voice or my hand using signs. Sometimes I feel stuck like there's no place to go. So I just start praying and go with the flow. I pray in a tree or below in its shade. I pray while I march in this year's pride parade. I pray using puppets or a stuffed crocodile. I create unique prayers in my own Laura style. Sometimes I don't know the who, where, or when, but that doesn't stop me. I just pray again. Thank you. So I'm going to go ahead and pray for Laura. We all love to pray for our testifiers. Uh, if you feel comfortable, you can extend out a hand towards Laura and I. Dear Creator God, thank you so much for just stunning us with Laura's incredible performance this morning. Thank you for teaching us through her the many ways that your spirit is always present with us. You always hear our cries, our petitions, our laughters. You hear our joy. We thank you that you always receive our, our ask, even if it's silly as wanting some chocolate cake. You honor all of our requests. We thank you for the creativity through Laura. We thank you for showing us new ways to pray and we can talk to you we can talk to you anywhere at any time at any place you're always always there your presence majesty your glory and we thank you so much for laura we ask you to bless her and to encourage her and to give her boldness and to care for her and watch over her we pray all these things in your precious name jesus amen Good morning. Good morning. Okay. Good morning. Today's scripture comes from Luke 9, 28, 36. Um, I will be reading from the message translation. About eight days after saying this, he climbed the mountain to pray, taking Peter, John, and James along. While he was in prayer, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became blinding white. At once, two men were there talking with him. There turned out to be Moses and Elijah, and what a glorious appearance they made. They talked over his exodus, the one Jesus was about to complete in Jerusalem. Meanwhile, Peter and those with him were slumped over in sleep. When they came to, rubbing their eyes, they saw Jesus in his glory and two men standing with him. When Moses and Elijah had left, Peter said to Jesus, Master, this is a great moment, and let's build three memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He blurted this out without thinking, and while he was babbling on like this, a light, radiant cloud enveloped him, enveloped them. As they found themselves buried in the cloud, they became deeply aware of God. Then there was a voice out of the cloud. This is my son, the chosen. Listen to him. When the sound of the voice died away, they saw Jesus there alone. They were speechless. And they continued speechless, said not one thing to anyone during those days of what they had seen. The word of the God for the people of God. 
Here at uh, our Wicker Park site, I'm so glad to see some of you. I mean, all of you. <laughs> glad to see all of you. <laughs> I mean, some of you that I haven't seen in a while. <laughs> oh, all of you. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jeez. Um, uh, this week is, we are continuing with our sermon series, You Are Art, um, discovering that each of us is a masterpiece of God, and what does that mean to live into that um, in our lives. And this story of the transfiguration is something that we actually read the Sunday before Ash Wednesday, which is next week, but we're going to start it off this week. Um, and just wanted to sh talk about some different figures and ways that Jesus has been portrayed. Now, this week, Oscar sent me a text or a message, yeah, text, with um, Spain's version of Jesus. It was a big scandal over there. Uh, they, they, they asked him to, they asked this artist to create um, something for their Lent season, and I'll show it to you here. Mm. That is Jesus in Spanish form. Um, people didn't like it. They thought that this Jesus was too effeminate, too weak looking. And then, but we all have different versions of Jesus that we could see, right? And here's another version. Um, uh, Jesus that is a little different, but the same, I guess. This is white savior Jesus. Now, I was part of a documentary talking about, um, actually talking about my children and how my children uh, and my grandchildren might be the next white um, in America uh, because of just the way that uh, the United States is. And what does it mean to um, change Jesus into the way we are? Um, so hashtag white savior available on Prime. Uh, you can watch it on Prime Video um, if you want for free, if you have Prime. Um, <laughs> there's many different versions of Jesus. Here's a, another one here. Now, this to me is Jesus. The Jesus that um, stands back and stands by. The Jesus that is uh, looking to see who to devour. Um, kind of, because it's Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is big. Jesus wears jewelry. Jesus is muscular and beautiful, long, shiny hair. Um, so that might look more like the Jesus you're thinking of. But there was uh, some folks that said, what did Jesus, what could he have really looked like? And this is what they think. Anthropologists, scientists think that the real Jesus looked like. Well, that's very different than any of the other portraits, right? What would it mean to worship this Jesus? Kind of plain, probably can um, go in a crowd of people and not be noticed. This 
Jesus. And so today, as we talk about transfiguration and the way that Jesus was transformed, let's keep in mind that sometimes we change Jesus instead of Jesus changing us. And so, and this whole um, kind of story of transfiguration to me, it just feels like magic. It feels, I used to love magic, and, and I would always ask for magic uh, uh, kits when I was a kid. Um, there was, I used to love Wonder Woman growing up, I mean, as a little kid, because every time that she turned around, she would transform into something different. Um, I, I went to see Michael Jackson, it was in the 80s, and there was a point where he was singing, I think he was singing Bad or something, not Bad, one of those songs. And he's on one side, and then all of a sudden he disappears, and then he appears on the other side. It's, it still sticks in my mind, like, how did he do that? Who was that other Michael Jackson uh, singing? Um, and this story is just like that. It's a, it's a, a magic trick, I guess, in some ways, but based in this reality uh, that is different. And so as last week we talked about Jochebed, Moses' mom, and how J Moses' mom creates this basket and forms this basket so that Moses can lay in it, so that Moses can be f uh, saved from being killed to later become the savior of the liberator of the people of Israel. Today we're going to hear kind of how that mixes in and how that intertwines with being um, artists creating and how we're changed when we create and how we must be basket makers uh, for the liberation of the poor, the broken, the broken hearted and the oppressed. But this week we're going to look at the story of, of the transfiguration of Christ. Um, like it said, six days before this story, um, Jesus had a conversation with his disciples and said that he's, he's going to die soon and that um, the resurrection, um, he's going to die and he's going to come back and he's having this conversation with them and he decides to take three of his disciples. He takes Peter, but he also takes James and John who were there from the beginning they're the first ones that Jesus called, and they were there um, and have seen Jesus this whole time and everything that Jesus has done, all the things that Jesus has said. They were the first ones called by Jesus and the first ones to follow Jesus. And so we get here, and it says that all of a sudden he changed in front of them, and it says that he was... Um, we today use the word transfigured because the word sounds a little bit more holy. It sounds a little bit more theological. Um, it somehow makes us sound like um, um, we know what we're talking about. But this word is more than just being simply changed. It's the Greek word that we use to get metamorphosis. So this transformation, um, this, this total change. And so I'm a kind of a, a, a science nerd. And if you go to my house, um, I have a lot of rocks. Um, I've never traveled the world, but when people do travel, I'm like, can you bring me a rock? Take a picture of where you got it from, and I'm going to bring it back to my house. Um, and so I have rocks from all over the world in my house, but my favorite rocks are these metamorphic rocks that are changed, transformed by heat and pressure. Um, they're, to me, the, the prettiest rocks in my collection. 
when you think about metamorphosis, you also think about butterflies, right? From a caterpillar to this beautiful thing that emerges. Um, but here's a crazy thing. Maybe when you think about metamorphosis, you don't think about cockroaches. They also go through a process of changing. Ugh. Those are the times where I'm like, why, God? Why? Why do cockroaches have to fly? The big ones. Well, they changed. Ugh, don't look it up. Um, anyway, metamorphosis. So here we have Jesus at the top of the mountain, and he's being transfigured or metamorphosed um, or changed. And he's visited by two people, Moses and Elijah. Um, and they start having a conversation together about the departure of Jesus, that he's going to be leaving one day. Um, and we know from the story um, that Moses is from the Ten Commandments, right? So Moses is known as the parent of the law, as the law. And then we have Elijah, who is a great prophet. And so here we have these two figures that represent the law and they represent prophecy. And then we have Jesus in the midst of them, um, united with the Messiah. So the law, Messiah, and prophecy together. So when the disciples see this, the first thing they want to do is build these monuments to them, maybe uh, altars, a tent, it says, um, for each one of them, because they never want to leave this place. This is amazing, and this is awesome. And Jesus tells them, so sorry, but there's other plans that we have. And he tells them they have to go back to the people. And so a cloud overshadows them. A voice from God tells them, this is um, God's son. God's chosen. Uh, listen to him. And here are kind of some theological reasons or theological reflections that I kind of gathered from this story. Uh, the first one is that these three people, Moses, Elijah, Jesus, are wrapped up in glory. Um, it's in this glory that things start making sense, the past, the present, and the future. And, and it makes sense for me. I wouldn't be here today. Uh, this morning, I was saying that this week, I really felt pastoral. Um, I felt like, oh, I, I'm entering into this calling that I felt from God when I was 22, and now I'm 54, and I'm finally like, oh, okay, I get it. I get this. All the suffering that I went through, the being excluded um, when I was younger, moving to Mexico um, when I was 18, 17, all of the things that happened to me, the bad, but also the good, being a parent being a father to two kids, being a son, being a brother, the celebrations of my family, they all came together to make who I am today. And I'm grateful for that. And it's because of that press that I can see myself today. But I now see what God has in the future, this hope of things that are to come. And so these things um, that happen to all of us are all of our mistakes, but also our celebrations they make us who we are today, um, and they help us to look forward to what's to come because we know that God will God, and I am at peace with that. And so next is in this cloud, this voice from God uh, speaks, and finally, this transfiguration of Jesus 
is a metamorphosis. It's a great story to talk about right before Lent because Lent is a time when we talk about changing things, um, trans being transformed. So some of us give up something. We give up chocolate or we give up meat or we give up swearing. Hello. Um, so Lent is an interesting time to start thinking and start contemplating about um, the differences between being changed and being transformed and being transfigured. For me, um, when you think about change, change means that we become different. Um, and a lot of, a lot of things uh, we need changing in our habits and, and we change those things during Lent. But as soon as those 40 days are over, we're right back to where we started, right? Maybe a little worse because we've been holding it in for 40 days. You eat all the chocolate day 41 and do all the swearing right after. Um, we revert, revert to the way we were. But to me, transform means that we become thoroughly changed, completely different, dramatically different. But being transformed is really neutral because you can be transformed for the worse. It's not always in a positive sense. But transfiguration is not only that you're dramatically changed, but that you're made dramatically beautiful. Think about the butterfly and not the roach. And so we see Jesus, this um, transfiguration will prepare him to go back down the mountain, back to the people to continue his ministry. And so this land, do we want to be changed? Do we want to be transformed? Or do we want to be transfigured? And so the glory of God comes from living together in community. And Jesus shared in this glory, and we see it, that he wasn't alone. He was with Moses, and he was with Elijah. And we can't shine alone. But when we're together, it's God's radiance that shines in the lives of other people. When we're together, God's glory shines. The places of shadow in the society, we shine on those. We have to know that it's from the shadows that, and these clouds of sometimes darkness that that's where God speaks. That's where God affirms Jesus. And so this metamorphosis, it directs Jesus to go back to his mission. And it also has to direct us to go to the mission. Um, the disciples just wanted to stay there. They said, let's build something for you, for all three of you. We're going to do it. And we're going to be able to worship there. Um, we're going to be able to sing there. We're going to wear these really cool name tags where you can put your pronouns. Come on, UBC. <laughs> I love the name tags, but ouch. When we come together, we come together to create community. And it's this beautiful tapestry, um, and it's revealed when... People from different social locations come and worship together. People from different walks of life come and bask in God's presence together, the mountaintop. But we're not called to stay there at the mountaintop. We're not called to stay within the four walls of this theater, the mountaintop. We have to go back down the mountain and back to our lives. And so like Jesus we have to go up 
And when we're up, it's okay, it's good, it's being in the presence of God, but we have to come back down and we have to get down to business, get down to the mission of being in the kingdom of God. And we are part of this whole transfiguration, that our lives will be changed, transfigured, our thinking will be transfigured, our way of speaking is transfigured, our actions are transfigured, our paths become transfigured, redirected, refigured, and transfigured. And we see the following story um, later, right after this, that perhaps the disciples weren't transfigured as they might have thought. Right after this, um, they go down the mountain and uh, a, a parent comes and says, hey, my, my son, something's wrong with him. He's, he's, um, he's convulsing whenever the spirit comes over him. And we asked and begged the disciples, but they could not do anything. And so Jesus gets really angry. He's like, how long do I have to put up with you, faithless people? Maybe the disciples there were transformed by the, by the situation and the experience that they had. But were they transfigured? Were they made different, made beautifully? And it's rough sometimes because our world is just like that kid. The world is pummeling the, war, the poor. The world is pummeling um, those that are cast away, the homeless, the immigrant, the single mom, the suffering, the incarcerated. We see it every day. Sometimes we walk by it every day on our way to work. The outcasts that are looking for help, but they're asking, who? Are they asking the transformed or are they asking the transfigured? Are we asking Jesus, can we dwell in our worship tabernacles? Can we bask in your glory? But we want to do it away from the people, from away from their needs. Unless we get out of this comfort and the safety of these four walls, of the tents that we have made, of the monuments that we've built, and unless we rebuke the powers of this world and shed light on the lives of the marginalized, the lives of the oppressed, we're never going to know what transfiguration means. And they will never know what the word glory means. And we can have sound theology. We can talk about the Bible all day. We can say all the catchy Christian phrases. Let go, let God. That was a good one. Love the sinner, hate the sin. I hate that one. Don't say that one. We can say all those things, but do we really know what glory is? Do we really know what God's glory is? And I know I'm speaking to the choir. We all are in this together. We come together. I see beautiful butterflies fluttering their wings throughout this place every Sunday. But I implore you that as we continue to be co-creators with God, we're going to see things change in this world. I truly believe it. Um, verses, I'm going to read verses 42 and 43 of the same uh, Bible verse. It says, but Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit. 
healed the boy and gave him back to his father. And all were astounded at the greatness of God. So when we're transfigured, we're called to rebuke and to heal and to give back because this will cause for people to be astounded at the greatness of God. Amen? Um, we are going to, I'm, I'm going to invite Lynette to come up, um, kind of tell us a little bit about, if we're talking about creating and being changed as we create community and create out in the world, um, invited uh, Lynette to come and talk to us a little bit about that. Right. So good morning, everyone. <clears throat> Again, my name is Lynette, uh, pronoun she, her. And uh, I want to tell you a little bit about not just what I've been reflecting on with the sermon series, also, you know, on theme with some of uh, the UVC pledge. I'm going to talk about um, how um, also wh what is it like to be transformed, to tr be transfigurated, to really live out this idea that we are art. Um, so again, just really um, moved by this idea of the transfiguration story, right? This idea of metamorphosis and that that makes us this masterpiece and how do we kind of live that out in the world? And I was reflecting on first my time at UBC, it's been a long time, it's been like 10 years, which is like wild to say that. Um, and through the last, through the, the decade of being here, I think about how much I've been really challenged to transform in a lot of ways. Um, so I think about just a lot of the uh, just social justice movements and uh, initiatives we've done over the past few years. I mean, the most memorable and the most engaged I've been was in, I think it's back in 2018, 2017, uh, we did a lot with people experiencing homelessness, especially in the uptown Edgewater area. And it was a big deal because a lot of the police would take um, folks as tents. And so that meant folks weren't able to have a place to stay. Um, and so we talked to a bunch of churches, gathered to talk to aldermen and um, different officials to stop this from happening. Um, and that was because the people of God were um, actually living out their transfiguration, their, their, the, their transformation, um, and they were actually going to live out what they were created to be um, and living out the gift of Imago Dei. So that happened. People, were, people experiencing homelessness were able to, to stay their tents and be able to have a place, uh, a home. Um, and I share that experience because it really pushed me to think about how do I really live this out in my own life? I mean, I know I could do um, social justice work in my church, but how could I make this actually a personal life practice? So I actually went out to California where there was an internship for folks who were interested, interested in organizing. Um, and so I did that internship over the summer and did more work around uh, people experiencing homelessness and did a lot of immigration work um, just because there's a huge immigration population there. Um, there was a lot to do with ICE um, taking over and all of that. 
And so we really pushed to create sanctuary homes. And so this organization I was interning for, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, Clergy and Lady United for Economic Justice. Um, so James Lawson created that uh, uh, community organization and uh, big social justice, uh, big uh, civil rights um, leader in, in the 1960s um, and so 1950s. So they, this is an incredible organization that has been fighting for economic justice for years. And so to be part of something like that and make huge change and um, take on the skills of organizing to Chicago was instrumental. And this is something that UVC has, you know, really, really challenged me to do. And talk about metamorphosis. I mean, I was far from being a community organizer. And so, um, total change, total, total shift. I also think about UVC really pouring into me as far as like, as you can see, helping lead worship today um, and didn't really know what it meant to create inclusive spaces, safe spaces for folks on the margins. And I feel like UVC has been that space for me to learn that. Um, and so through music, right? And when I think about music, I think about the ways in which that is a way of creating and, and, and really expressing art um, and, and connecting people as well. Um, and so have gotten that chance to do that. Um, and so I think about myself now, right? Like what, what does this mean this year for God to continue to transform me? What does it mean to um, live into this metamorphosis um, where, you know, I'm called to create. I'm called to create, to make change, to make an impact, whether it's through worship, whether it's through organizing, whether it's social justice, building communities, um, spiritual communities. And I think that God invites me to create this year um, and, and, and create change through and giving, simple for me. A simple thing is kind of giving. And if you could uh, pull that up, uh, the QR code for that. Um, we don't have that. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Um, yes. Okay, great. <laughs> um, and so that's just my small way. I mean, I want to also add in my, uh, so I'm Ghanaian, I'm a first generation. I should have mentioned that. It's also a big influence in why I did organizing around immigration and people experiencing homelessness. Um, but one of the traditions we do is at the beginning of the year, we, off, we do an, what we call an offering. Um, so usually it has something to do with I'm giving money, but it could be like resources, it could be hospitality, what have you. Um, and this offering is just, just this, kind of in, on theme of like, okay, I'm going to give, right? Give what God has put, has given me, right? Has the transformation that has happened inside of me, why not live that out? Um, and so for me, that's giving um, and hoping with the funds that will also create change, whether it's through small groups, social justice initiatives, creating hospitality, as I mentioned. Um, and I think another thing that kind of, uh, that God invites me into to create change um, as this trans transformed, transformed being myself is 
and I don't know if you, we have this, but um, in on February 21st, we have a town hall in Hyde Park um, at the LSTC building. And this is the one, one of the ways I, I'm trying to get back engaged in organizing. Um, so, I'm so I'm sure some of you have heard of Bring Chicago Home. Um, so as you can see, it is a protect, uh, progressive tax reform. Um, and I think it is continuing the work of addressing homelessness in Chicago. I, I mean, I just share that, you know, we had been doing initiatives back in 2017, 2018 to do it in the Edgewater Uptown community. And this is gonna impact a ton of Chicagoans. And it is only taxing once the rich, right? The rich who own homes are over a 1 million. And so, and it's gonna benefit 99% of us, you know, who, who are, you know, facing struggles to own a home. Um, and so please, 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 please come out. Um, if you can't make it to this event, I know there's several others. Um, and please contact me, come up to me if you want more information of how else you want to get involved, whether it's canvassing, whether it's networking, talking to other nonprofits or other churches you're connected to. Um, but this is our way, this is my way of using my faith, my way of using what God has transformed in me, created in me to create change in our city. Um, and I think that this is also a simple way for all of us to do that. Um, so if you can't come to any of the events, please come out March 19th. Please uh, vote for this. This will impact so many people, and including you all, actually, too. Um, yeah, so I think that's it. Yeah, thank you. Can you stay here with me for communion? <laughs> Folks online can hear. Thank you so much for um, you know the work you're doing in the community. We will be um, having our own teaching on February 24th. Go to the Wicker Park chat room if you want more information on any of these things. Let's pray. God, we thank you for just the beautiful ways that you remind us of what it means to be community together, that we create together this beautiful artwork, beautiful um, tapestry of us coming together as the body of Christ. We ask that this would become for us the body of Christ so that we can become the body to those in our communities, in our homes, and in the world. And I ask that you would send your Holy Spirit Come over these elements um, of, of bread and juice. In your name, amen. Amen.